Part Five, Chapter Thirty Four of the Beach of Dreams. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Reading done by Jules Harlock. The Beach of Dreams by H. D. Verstagpool. Part Five. Chapter Thirty Four. The Carcassoni. Raft had found other things than arms and ammunition in the cabin. He had found a box containing nearly three thousand five hundred dollars, partly in American money and partly in English gold coin. Chang had stowed it in his chest, a big cedar wood affair containing all sorts of oddments, including a can of blue-labeled Canton opium cigars a couple of suits of fine silk and a woman's gold bracelet chang had evidently been well-to-do in his way and a man of refinement his bunk bedding was of the finest quality and on a shelf near the bunk lay piled new wash sheets and pillowcases the girl took his cabin and slept in his bunk long ago in the world that was slowly coming back to her the idea of sleeping in the bunk of a chinaman she had seen killed would have revolted her now it did not trouble her at all she only knew that a mattress and clean sheets were heaven even if she had to sleep with a revolver under her pillow then in a day or two she only put the revolver there as a matter of routine the chinks gave evidence that so far from making trouble they were extremely anxious to propitiate and please and the man who has evidently served chang appeared in the cabin tidying things and laying out the food whilst the man who had evidently been mate worked the ship in his own weird way seeming scarcely ever to sleep he had laid the course almost due north taking the sun with a back-stick that might have come out of the ark, working out his calculations in the forecastle in his own head. Raft did not know. He knew nothing of navigation as a science, nor did he care. They were going north, and day by day drawing into the track of ships. That was enough for him. One day, the girl said to him, Suppose these men make trouble over that man you killed and those others let them said raft i'll tell my yarn it's plain enough i'm not going to tell no lies the chap tried to drive us off and we lost and near done for and he hit me a welt on top of all he got his gruel she had played with the idea of making up a story for the sake of raft she felt ashamed of the idea when she heard his words I'm thinking of that money down below, said he. It belongs by rights to that big chap. If a ship takes us off, we'd better hand it over to the mate or just leave it there for him to take. Yes, we don't want the money, she replied. I have plenty. You? Where have you got it? asked he, looking her over. In France, she replied. Then she laughed. It was the first time she had laughed since that day when the sea-bulls had driven the penguins off, and Raft, 
as though her mirth were infectious, laughed also. It seemed a joke to him, somehow, the idea of her having money in France. The idea of her being one of the rich people had never worked its way into his head. She was just herself, different, it is true, in some undefinable way from anyone he had ever met, speaking differently, acting differently, but made use to his mind by struggle and adversity. He scarcely thought of her as a woman, yet he was hugely fond of her a fondness that had begun in pity and had been strengthened and made to grow by her pluck he liked to have her near him and when she was out of sight he felt a bit astray he never bothered about the future so the idea of parting with her had not come to him and she when raft was out of her sight she felt astray her mind had spun between them a tie of a new sort of a world grown cynical and old and cold an affection permanent as the hills warm as summer everything good in her loved raft it was the affection of a mother for a child of a child for a mother he had nursed her back to life he had brought her life and never once since that day had he chilled her with a littleness or broken a thread of what was spinning in her heart he was illiterate, he was rough, but he was raft. He was the great beach of Kerguelen and the sea bulls and the distant islands. He was the hand that had destroyed loneliness and driven away death. The child who had listened to Jack and the beanstalk, the lion that had destroyed Chang, the champion in a loneliness ringed with despair one morning beyond the fortieth parallel and some two hundred miles to the nor'west of st paul the chinese mate plucked raft by the sleeve and pointed into the west the day was clear with a wind just enough to fill the sails of the bark and a long blue leisurely swell running from the south away in the east was a trace of smoke as though a grimy finger had stained the sky just above the sea-line ship said the mate it was the one word of english that he knew raft was about to shout and run to the cabin hatch to call the girl then he held himself back it might be a false hope yet if he had thought he might have known that a ship in the east meant a ship right across their course here where there was no trade tracks north and south then above the sea line and clear of smoke he saw her hull he pointed to the halyards and the mate understood the mate was evidently desperately anxious to be quit for good of his self-invited passengers for when raft came on deck again with the girl they found the bark under bare poles rolling to the swell and a chinese flag half-masted flicking in the wind also away across the sea sheering towards them and making to cross their bows a mile away a two-funneled steamer whose funnels closed to one as she shifted her helm to get within speaking distance of them she was the carsaconi a seven thousand ton freighter carrying passengers a French boat bound from Sydney to Cape Town and Marseilles. 
Raft, the day before, had taken the Chinese mate down to the cabin and showed him Chang's money and had presented it to him and the crew in pantomime. It was honesty. It was also a good stroke. There was no trouble when the Carsacone, her huge bulk rolling gently to the swell, dropped a boat, though indeed had the companions of Chang wished to raise trouble, they would have found themselves seriously handicapped, dumb as they were in every language but their own. Chang had been their linguist as well as their leader. They had literally lost their tongue. End of chapter 34